Good afternoon. How has the conference been so far? It's been good. Uh, where are you guys from? How many of you are from Colorado? Okay, who, where else are you from? Just shout out where you're from. Albuquerque. South Dakota, Albuquerque. Ohio. South Dakota, Wyoming. Nebraska. Ohio. All right. Well, I just uh, pray that the rest of this conference is refreshing and the Lord will renew you in such a, just a, a neat way. I'll share a little bit about who I am and Colin will introduce himself. My name is Gabe Jenkins and I'm the men's pastor here at New Life. I've been at New Life for about 10 years and I moved from western Kansas, which is a pretty exciting place. And uh, I, I came out here in 2005. I did an internship and then I got hired. Uh, God has a sense of humor. He, if you've been walking with him, which all of you have, you know that oftentimes he'll throw you a curveball that you didn't see coming. And it's like, really, Lord? And so out of the internship, I was hired. Uh, long story, I'll spare you the story, but I was hired as a children's pastor here at New Life. And four or five years into that, the Lord started speaking to me about men's ministry and the importance of discipling men and pastoring men. And uh, so I heard him speak that clearly uh, to me, and I just kind of held on to it. Well, fast forward three more years from that point, I was still serving as a children's pastor. And it, as you know, a lot of times in children's ministry, it's all women. And so I was the only man on a team of about 16 people, 16 women and me. And then at the same time, I was getting a, a master's degree in counseling, and so I was counseling do my internship at a women's medical clinic. And so I was working with all women, pastoring kids, counseling all women. And I'm saying, Lord, I thought you said disciple men. God, I don't know if you realize this, but I am surrounded by estrogen. And one day in prayer, when I was asking the Lord what on earth he was doing, he said, what have you recognize, or what have you seen as you've pastored kids? And I thought about it, and I said, well, I've seen the impact of a father. I had never made that connection before. And then he, he followed up with, and what have you seen as you've counseled women? And I thought about it, and I, I said, the impact of a man on a woman. And it was like the Lord was smiling. He was like, Son, you're so slow to understand, but you finally get it. In a nutshell, God was showing me the fruit of a man's life before uh, he opened the door for men's ministry. That's why I was smiling one day when this man said, Gabe, what do you think about men's ministry? Because Colin was, was uh, leading the men's ministry at the time, and I just had to laugh. I said, because I didn't tell anybody about the, the Lord speaking to me about men's ministry. And so when the season was right, the door opened, and I transitioned uh, into men's ministry, and that's where I'm at today. So in a nutshell, that's, that's my story. That's how I ended up here, and I have such a high respect for this guy. He's, uh, I'll let him tell you more about himself, but he's a retired colonel, and he's just an incredible man. Uh, He's got a, an amazing heart, loves the Lord, loves men. He's a good leader. And with that introduction, I'll throw it to you. What Gabe didn't tell you was uh, he's also an All-American wrestler at college. So 
Can you imagine the women worried about getting wrestled or taken down or half Nelson or something and all of that at the time? But it's a, it's a great young man and off to a really great start in our men's ministry here. So I'm Colin Willis and um, how many of you are from an area where you have military families, whether they're active duty or they're guard or reserve, who may be coming to your churches now? I'm the, they call me chaplain. Uh, I did retire from the Army. I was never a chaplain in the Army. But, um, we have a thousand plus active duty military at our church. So a few years ago when military was going through some really rough times, and they still are, by the way, there's a, it's, it's a, an incredible rhythm and pace, and there's fatigue, and there's a lot going on, a lot of deployments. So a few years ago, Pastor Brady decided that we would have a military ministry, and he brought me on simply to be that pastor. So you can't, you can't even make that up, what a blessing that is. Uh, You've got a very active military ministry. So for those, today we're going to spend most of our time talking about men's ministry. But if any of you would like to talk about I'd love to hear what that looks like in your church or in your community, what that looks like in terms of caring for those who serve our nation and the spiritual needs, especially what, what that looks like to you. I'd love to have that conversation with you. So I'm here all week as well, and I'd love to do that. We do have a few things or lessons we learned that I can, I'd, I'd be glad to share as well, but um, I'd really just like to have that conversation with you too. So one of the things we're going to talk about today is Gabe and I went through a number of um, approaches, if you will, maybe, and how we are going to minister to our military family. So I'll let Gabe pick it up from here. Part of that, I'm sorry, to our men, but part of that is some things we actually learned from our military and from a military ministry. So you want to yeah, exactly. start how, there. So how many of you are involved directly with the men's ministry at your church? Pretty much most of you, all of you? Okay. Like, like Colin was saying, we, we, um, we've tried different things, and we've really been asking the Lord, what are you doing in our church to disciple men? And the scripture that's been uh, something that we've really prioritized and emphasized is Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. And something I've heard a lot from people as they find out I'm in men's ministry is if they've, uh, people have often said, ah, oh, that just doesn't really work. It's like herding cats. Men are just hard to disciple, and so don't waste your time. I mean, in a nutshell, I've just, there was a lot of discouragement about ministering to men and discipling men. And how do you get men to show up at your meetings? Offer food. <laughs> but so, so Cole and I have spent a lot of time in prayer and conversations about how do we engage men in a way that, uh, number one, is in line with what God is doing, and is number two, is in a way that where they will respond. Colin is a, he didn't mention this in his introduction, but he's a master fly fisherman. He's quite the, uh, the fisherman. He's teaching me a thing or two. But one of the things, we went out, we went out a while ago and, and we were fly fishing, and one of the things he was talking about is you have to get the right bait in the right place for the fish to respond to it. And it's similar with men's ministry. 
you've got to understand what the Lord is doing and what is what do men respond to? And how do we communicate in a way where they're going to to respond? And so that's been something we've prayed through. Lord, uh, you know, just like Jesus said, you're, you're going to be a fisher of men to Simon Peter. And I think that's true for all of us as we disciple men. We're a fisher of men. So, Lord, how do we do this? How do we, how do we design and create a ministry where men will actually uh, respond? Um, when, we f- when we first uh, started, Colin started before I did, but the structure that was in place before we started was it, we had a men's meeting the church. And uh, there were really good things that came out of it and really good things that, that were happening in that meeting. But there was, uh, f- there was a fairly small response. When you look at the church size, the number of men who were actually responding and coming consistently to that meeting was very small. And so it wasn't something where we just started and said, okay, we're going to scratch this whole idea and try to get the masses to show up. Or, as we were praying, I really sensed the Lord saying, hey, be patient with this. Be consistent. Be faithful with these guys who are coming. And so that's, that's what we were doing. For a year, we continued that, continued to pour into those men and disciple those men. Then the Lord started to shift the vision. And he started to really uh, reveal more of what he was doing here at New Life in particular. And that... That is the fire team model. That's the name of the session. And essentially what that is, is Colin explains this really well. It's a military term, and it's a group of four guys who are in the fight together. And I remember we were just across the hall one morning, and in the midst of these ongoing conversations of how do we get men to walk in deep fellowship with God and with one another, Colin said, hey, have you ever heard of the term fire team? And I hadn't at the time, but something inside of me just came alive. I was like, I just knew God was breathing on this idea. So he went on to explain it from a military perspective, and I'd like to ask him to do that. What is a fire team, and um, especially from a military perspective? Um, so a fire team is that smallest uh, organizational unit that they have in the military. Uh, I come from the Army, so I'll describe it in those terms real quick for you because it kind of it did kind of lay foundation of our thought for what this is. Then, then we realize this is kind of biblical too. But here's, here's kind of what this means. A fire team is those four or five people typically led by a first-level sergeant, very young sergeant at the first level eye contact leadership, it's right here, and those four are designed to stand back to back and cover each other. Now, studies of war show this, most soldiers, most of those who are serving in combat, don't die to defend the Constitution. They don't die to stand to defend the nation or the flag. They don't even die for the 4th Mechanized Infantry Division patch that we have here at Fort Carson. They don't die even for regiments or battalions, mostly not even for companies, companies of 100 people. They die because they're defending those people right around them. Their whole objective is to defend 
that, that team that they're with. So when we begin to look at that dynamic and what happens in that, that, that little, the dynamics of that four or five person team, a couple of very interesting things. Like I said, it's the first level of leadership. There's somebody who's leading, but it's not strategic passing it down to somebody else. It's having to deal with the stuff day to day. Second, they live life together. They know each other so well that a soldier will be looking in dead in the eye and say, what's going on with your wife? Or they'll say, why'd you go out and get drunk last night? They know each other so well and they don't want them to be hurting, so they'll do whatever they can to help them grow in this case, either physically or whatever, what we're trying to do is make that a spiritual, the spiritual dimension of this at the same time. The last part of this is that we re that I just want to give you a quick demonstration. We take a, we take one of these, we, these fire teams. That's a unit, and you train them to do house to house clearing in, let's say, Afghanistan. And the way that's done is they begin. First of all, they train this, they train this, and they train this. But again, when they move into a house, the very first thing they do is gather up shoulder to shoulder and they touch each other. It's touching. It's hand on the shoulder ready to move. They burst, they knock the door down. They storm into that room. The first two guys in stand to defense of any fire while the other two guys move and, and begin clearing. There's already, but there's this touching that goes on, this very close sense of camaraderie and defending one another. And so what Gabe and I began to think through this, what we were seeing, what we were, what we were emphasizing in our approach uh, when we kind of first got into this was a very loose organization where guys didn't feel like they were defending anything. There was no cause. There's very little cost, and there was certainly nothing that was drawing them closer in camaraderie. They could, in fact, we'd come into this room, and you could pretty much hide wherever you wanted to hide, right? So one of the things, and here's, a, here's another phenomenon that comes out of, out of battle that we, this is something all of you may apply in your own churches if you have military who are coming out of deployments. We find that those who come out of deployments, out of combat, who are in these very tight groups, come home to a lesser cause, but very loose groups. You know what I mean? They're no longer shoulder to shoulder with anybody. What's the tendency? Tendencies to want to go back because they like the shoulder to shoulder camaraderie. It's an interesting, that there, there are stories of guys who want to go back into combat because they have this, this brotherhood, this unique sense of brotherhood and camaraderie that they don't get when they come back home. What I see that in our church means if a soldier comes home, for example, or somebody comes out of a high trauma situation, they sit down in the church, we typically move away from them. What we're trying to do in our church is draw them closer, set them in and squeeze them. Squeeze them. So anyway, that's the kind of the concept. We don't try to be too militaristic here and that's it, but if you think through that, what that means, guys getting in a small group, digging deep, walking through life together, loving the Lord together at a great cause, a great cost, and huge amount of brotherhood. That's awesome, we think. So. Yeah, another, so fire team is a military 
term that's actually used in the military, but it also has a second meaning, the way that we use it here in a church context. And it started with the question of how do we, okay, so men's discipleship, how do we disciple men? Well, what is a disciple? Disciple is somebody who is a follower of Jesus, who walks with him, who's obedient to the commands of Jesus. Okay, what are the most important commands? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor. So we're we're going down this 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 train of thought. Okay, so if the most important thing is for a man to love God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love people, how does that happen? How as a ministry can we cooperate with the Holy Spirit to inspire this to happen? And this is where we landed on one of the, the ways that a man grows in his love for God. Number one, he's got he's to know Jesus. He's got to taste and see that the Lord is good. There's got to be that personal, authentic relationship with Christ. But one of, the, one of the ways that we really believe that this happens is a man is around other men who love Jesus. And that's contagious. When I think about my own story, I, I'm 34 now, but when I was 21, I was running away from God. And there was a man named Bobby Rainbow, who was a fellow college student, and he kept inviting me to his Bible study, and I would avoid him like the plague because I didn't want what he offered. So for years, he kept inviting me, and finally I said yes. And so then I, I went to his Bible study. I was, I was in the company of these great men, and I watched them, and I observed that these are young men who love God, and it did something in me. God used that company of men to get a hold of my heart in such a powerful way. And it started by observing their authentic love for God. And that's my story. And I've just heard that from a lot of different men is when men are around other men who authentically love God, it's contagious. And so the term fire team, it's like, it's like building a fire. You, you light one log on fire, and then that fire is fanned into flame by adding other logs into that fire. And so that's, that's a concept as well. You start with a leader who loves God, who's mature, who's got a fire burning in his heart. And then you ask that leader to be intentional about asking God, who do you want me to invest into over the next year? And then as they're meeting together and studying the word together and doing life together, that fire spreads and, and it's contagious. So that's that's a little bit about fire team. It's a military term, but also it has to do with helping men uh, just grow in their love for God and their, their passion for God. The other thing that's interesting from the scriptures is that when you look at Jesus, of course, he had the 12. I mean, he ministered to the crowds. Um, he had disciples that weren't in the 12. He, he had the 12 apostles, but then he had the three, Peter, James, and John. And when he was in the garden... You know, when he was in one of his lowest moments, their darkest moments, he, the scripture is interesting because he, he tells the disciples, stay here. And then he takes Peter, James, and John and said, you guys come with me. So in a way, that was his fire team. You know, he had the disciples. He had many people that were in a circle, but he had the three that he was really intentional with. And that's what we encourage men to to pray through and think through. Who are those three guys that you're being really intentional with? That you're being really purposeful with? And this isn't something we're just sharing, but this is something that God has challenged me with personally. I, a a couple years ago, I was sharing 
part of this vision with an older man. He was 77 years old. And he was listening, and he was nodding his head, and he was very polite. But then afterwards, in a way that only a 77-year-old can, he looked me in the eye and said, Gabe, who are you walking with? I thought, that's a good question. And I could think through people I would meet with for coffee on a monthly basis or once in a while. But I realized that in my own life, I was lacking that intentionality. The, that, that inner circle, that fire team that I was being really purposeful with, people who I, I knew them, and I knew how they were doing, and they knew me, and they knew how I was doing. And so I started praying about it. I said, God, who are, who are three or four men that you want me to be really purposeful with in this next season of life? And I felt like uh, I had a pretty good idea of who that would be. And so I just, it's as simple as this. I went and said, hey, do you guys want to start meeting for coffee consistently before work, every other work? every other week. And they said, yeah, I'd love to. And these guys were all busy. They had multiple jobs. They were, I mean, they had all kinds of different things they were doing. But what we found as we started meeting together consistently is no matter how busy we were, it was rich for all of us. And we just started that process of just being purposeful, meeting together. And then our families started getting together. And our families were building relationships. And it just happened over time that, that those relationships started to form to the point now I can say, yeah, this is, these are some of the guys I'm really walking with. These guys, I know these guys, and they know me. And so that's part of just the genesis of this. It was something that not only is it a good idea, but it was something that the Lord uh, really challenged me personally on, and it's been, I know the fruit of it. It's been refreshing for me. Um, Two, with fire teams, the other thing that's been really uh, encouraging to see is I was talking earlier about, you know, we'd, we'd be in this room, and when we first started, we had less than 30 guys in here. And so it's not all about numbers, but again, it's like, okay, Lord, how, how can we reach and disciple more men? And one of the things we saw and learned is that when men just come to a meeting, like, a Wednesday night men's meeting, Colin alluded to this. They can hide. They can sit at this table. They can sit at that table one week with this group of guys, this table. And then how are relationships forming in there? I mean, a guy could come on for six months and still not really have some key allies to walk with. And so when we made this transition and said, okay, let's instead of trying to create a weekly men's meeting and then getting men to come to that meeting to be discipled, let's change our, our philosophy here and let's mobilize leaders to disciple men. And it has been huge in terms of the buy-in from the men because they're not just coming to sit and listen to somebody disciple them, but they now have buy-in, they now have ownership. Now they're the ones being sent out to disciple. And uh, I've really sensed momentum in that area where guys where guys are like, wow, I have, a, I have a part to play in this. I'm not a face in the crowd. I'm not a number in the seat, but I am I'm called to go out and disciple. And so that's what we've, what we've done. We've said, Lord, highlight the leaders, men who are mature, men who love you, men who are ready to be leaders, and then we've just shared the vision, and we've challenged them, okay? And it's an easy sell because we're all, 
we all know we're, we're called to make disciples. And so what we've tried to do is just create a lane for them to run on and a way for this to happen. And so we've gone to, to several leaders and we've said, okay, we see, we see something in you. We see a love for God in you. We see uh, maturity in you. And we challenge them, will you pray and ask God who he wants you to be intentional to disciple and pour into over the next year? And oftentimes the man is like, yeah. But if we tell that same man, will you commit to coming on a Wednesday night and sitting here for a year? Really? A big difference because there's, there's ownership and there's buy-in. Yeah, can I, let me just, if I can. Um, so the idea of uh, identifying, selecting, uh, attracting, mobilizing, and then training leaders becomes the essence then as, as we begin to move forward. And I just, let me just talk a little bit about how Gabe's approach here, because I've watched this, and this has been really good. So how do you do that? Well, the very first thing, I mean, the first thing that might come to mind, you just pick anybody who's willing. And I want to caution there, be very careful about that, right? This is where go deep into prayer and be very discerning about who you identify as leaders, especially in the early rounds of this. It takes, and now how do you do that? You, be, you have to become fairly intimate. You have to know those people. So Gabe invested a, a ton of time, a lot of time in spending, especially the guys he thought would be leaders. There, there's a, you start with that. But then there are a few who startle you that you say, wow. He's quiet, but he's sitting in the corner. This is a great leader who we do need. So you have to kind of draw that out maybe. Some are ready to do it, and you have to kind of say, ah, maybe not. So I just, let me, I just want to encourage something here. The way you go through an early process of picking the ones that you want to equip to lead in a men's ministry has to be by getting to know them. Gabe spent a lot of time. He had a lot of separate sessions with them, one-on-ones. In fact, we made a commitment early on in our budget. Most of that would go to early mornings, coffees, and lunches with men we were going to identify as leaders. That's where Gabe decided we would invest most of our time and resources initially until we got a crew of leaders available. And that's really worked out well. And then again, um, just knowing who they are, what their passions are, what might be their draw, where are they in their own life? Are they living examples of this? And then Gabe says to them, I'll give you a few draft choices to bring onto your team, but are you willing to take anybody off the street who may not be a perfect guy in life? Are you willing to take somebody's hurting on your team? Now that's a different question in some cases. But it's a great question. So I, let, me just, let me just summarize that real quick. This idea of just picking, saying, instead of spreading ourselves thin and just having ourselves available on a big night, Wednesday nights or something, the idea of them investing in leaders so now they go out and are, are leading the way we want them to do that. It's, it's a very deliberate and intentional process, a lot of prayer, lots of prayer, and a lot of time working and walking with those men. I can't tell you how many times Gabe's had those leaders over to his house sitting around a fire pit, just talking life. That's simple. That's simple. It's really good. And it's amazing how men respond to that, where 
sitting around a fire pit with a group of guys is a lot more appealing to sitting in a church classroom. Now, the Holy Spirit does great things in a church classroom. I'm not throwing all of that out. We've got some of the, quite a few of these fire teams actually meet in classrooms here at the church. But just, again, going back to what, what is going to resonate with men, and I think we've seen this. If you tell a bunch of guys, hey, we're going we're gonna to pray and dive into the scripture around my fire pit, and we're going to have some food. Are you in? Yeah, I'm in. And so um, that's, that's resonated here. Can somebody help me pass these out? This is something that just this last Sunday, we, yeah, and these as well. I think we only have maybe enough for one per table. Um, but this flyer is something that we just handed out this last Sunday. We put them on the seats in the main auditorium. And on one side, it's upcoming men's gatherings. And on the other side, it's the fire teams. And there's a short description that communicates what a fire team is. And then it points them to the website. And on the website, we have a picture of all of our leaders and then a short description of who they are and what their, what their fire team is about. Then we also have a packet you'll see. And uh, John Eldridge's name is misspelled. I, we have since fixed that. I apologize. Uh, but each, each one of those... Uh, fire teams is available. So if a guy is saying, hey, I, I want to get connected, it's pretty easy because they can see a picture of the leader and they have a short description of what that fire team is about. And it goes in very early on, just in, in prayer, I really sensed God saying, Gabe, what are you going to do? I think this was actually my first week in men's ministry. Just praying, Lord, what are you, what are you doing here? What are you birthing? How can we cooperate with what you're doing I really uh, sensed he was saying, what are you going to do if I bring a man who needs help? And he wanted an answer. And I said, well, Lord, I, I'll, I'll walk with that man and pastor him and care for him. And then his next question was, what if, you, what if I bring a lot of men who need help? And that was his way of saying, get ready, build a team, because there are a lot of men who need help. And he wanted us to essentially create a structure, some wine skins that he could put, bring the wine into. And that's what this has been. So now we've got about 30 different men who are leading. So we have more men who are leading than who are showing up to men's meetings. And now if, a, if somebody, I, I meet somebody or Colin meets somebody who needs help, and it requires you got to walk with this person long term. There are a lot of different places to say, hey, this guy would be great for you, or this guy would be great for you. But there's a structure. Now I, we feel really good about when the Lord brings men who need help, we, we have something in place that will help them. Can I jump on yeah. one other thing? If those of you that have the 8 um, by 11 sheet there with all the pictures on it, one, one thing you, I'd like you to take notice of is there's leaders of all ages, of all generations there. It's important, um, and this is something again that I that Gabe does extremely well. Is is he's able to relate to the older guys <laughs> like me and my group, but he also has a, a number of younger uh, men who are leading. All of that is important. In fact, we stress that we we stress the idea of cross generational things here, 
and the idea of there, there be older men. Sometimes those men will want to be by them because they're in that stage of life. But there's also a lot of direction to share and thrust to share in both directions there. And so we do encourage that. But being able to identify leaders in all stages of life was really a big deal for us. We walked through that very intentionally of not just having, I mean, you could get really easily hung up, especially a young pastor like Gabe saying, we'll have all young pastors, young, uh, I'm sorry, young leaders. But that's not what we did. In fact, we very intentionally picked there, some there that are, gosh, in the mid-70s who are leading groups, who are dynamic leaders. So that's really important part of that, I think. And another, another way that we've really engaged uh, the older men, and these guys, it's a win-win because they have this wealth of wisdom and knowledge and experience, and a lot of them have time, and they have a desire. They still want to be significant. They still want a place at the table. Then we have these young men who need the wisdom, and they need the experience that the older men have. And then the older men are energized by being around the younger men. And so we've identified some key, and we're still establishing this and building this over time. This is not, this is not perfect. We're, we're um, still very much building this model. Uh, but we've, we've taken mentors, and we're pairing mentors up with especially our young leaders, our fire team leaders. So we have these 30 leaders, and we're saying, Okay, as a ministry, we're going to pour into these guys. These guys are on the front lines. They're out discipling. They're pouring into other men. And so how can we support them? How can we pour into them? And one way is we have these mentors who we assign to the leaders where we're saying, hey, just fill them up, meet with them, have coffee, take them out to lunch. And uh, so some, some really neat friendships are, are coming out of that. I'll show you, share one really quick story about that. So uh, Jim House is, is one of our mentors. He's in the 70s. And uh, I paired him up with, uh, with a guy named Daniel, who's 30. Daniel's leading the fire team. And so they've struck up this friendship. And, and I said, Jim, would you mind uh, introducing yourself to Daniel and taking him out for coffee? So on their first coffee session, Jim said, you know what? If we don't like each other, this can be the last time we ever see each other. But I think it's worth giving it a shot. And so <laughs> that was his introduction. And it ended up, these guys struck up an amazing friendship over the course of the next year. Well, Daniel, the 30-year-old, lost his father and went through a very, very tough time. And Jim just walked with him through that and, and pastored him through that and cared for him through that. Well, a year into that process, Jim, whose dad was 98, passed away. And it really hit Jim, the older man, deep. And so Jim, the mentor, looked to Daniel and said, you got to help me through this. And so then it was the 30-year-old putting his arm around Jim and walking with him. It was a beautiful picture of the fruit that can come from the intentionality of older men meeting with, with younger men. And so we've seen the fruit of that already, and it's something we're going to continue to do. It's just be intentional to connect, connect the generations. Yeah, and I, I'll, one more dynamic that we addressed that was really important for us. Um, again, the, the, the rhythm that we had was we were meeting on Wednesday nights. We typically do that in here, and we, it, was calm, it was discipleship. At the time, we felt we wanted to continue on what had been in the church for a long time. And we wanted to establish ourselves as a consistent place where men knew there would be some discipleship going on. 
And that in itself is healthy. I'm not saying that that was necessarily wrong by any means. That was healthy. Then, then we found what happened was the rhythm became the rhythm. It just became come, and there was very little then depth going into that, we felt. And the, and the Lord just said, come on, come on now, let's, let's, I, I want to encourage you to think through this a little bit more. So one of the things we did, we released that rhythm. We changed that rhythm a little bit. And here's how we, here was the big dynamic. When the, when the rhythm was like that, we had control of Wednesday nights. We were the only leaders and it was easy. But we weren't, we didn't feel like it was getting much traction. The Lord said, why do you feel like you have to own it? Why did they have to come to you? Develop, te- develop leaders. Let them have their own time. Don't call them in here every Wednesday. And that's, for a men's pastor, that's a big deal. I mean, what we tend to believe it's about us and coming together on a Wednesday so we can, it, it isn't that. So one of the dynamics that we've had to face was when we, when we equip the leaders and we push responsibility down, we, gave, we even give them resources. In our budget now, Gabe gives them resources if they need them. We never let resources be an issue at the team level. If someone, if they're doing a book study or a Bible study and they need a resource, it's always something Gabe uh, in his budget is willing to offer help to that. We want to equip them. We also want to push that responsibility down, but we also want to resource them to be able to do their job as leaders. So we had to think through that a little bit. In other words, decentralizing, pushing this down and let them be on their own rhythms, which is really a big deal. And you're just trusting the Lord. And I got to tell you what, the, the, the contact that you get, the feedback you get about where they are with their own fire teams and meeting is amazing. And you realize, I should have released this a long time ago and equipped leaders a long time ago to do this. So that was a, that was a huge dynamic for us. Still is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's been very relational. Identify leaders. And then as we continue to build relationships with those leaders, then empower them and trust them. We're not trying to herd everybody down the same path and say, okay, we've got these fire teams. We're all going through this particular book. So this week, everybody's in chapter 4. And report back, and uh, again because we want we want there to be some ownership with the leader. Now I, I have asked the leaders, hey, let me know what what are you guys doing? Um, and I trust that these leaders, uh, I trust them well enough to know that they're gonna whatever content they use is gonna be solid, and they believe in it, and uh, they're, they're passionate about it. And so I've told them, however, however I can help you. Uh, develop ideas for content, I will. But I'm not going to hold your hand if you don't need it because a lot of these guys are solid men. They've been walking with Christ for 40 years. They don't need me to say, okay, take your guys through this content. It, that, would, that would be cutting them off at the knees. But what I am saying, especially to the younger guys, is, and there have been leaders who have said, I really don't know where to start. And so I've walked with those guys and given them suggestions and resources and and pointed them in the right direction. So it's not a one-size-fits-all. Uh, it's we'll, we'll provide support to the degree that, that you need it. And especially the older guys have really appreciated that. They don't feel like we're trying to control or, or manipulate it. So um, we'll, have, we'll have time for questions in just a second and go into that. Is there anything else that you can think of? Well, I think just two points, and you'll pick up on this a little bit. Our, most of your church, I, 
will assume have concept called small groups. You have groups, you know, and we have that. We're, we're, big, we're a church that really believes in the small group concept. But when we identified this in, a, in the terms of fire teams for men, it took on a whole new meaning, I think. It was kind of, it's a, it was an interesting dynamic because we've always encouraged groups. We've always done that. But when we, re, when we really laid and trusted and believed, prayed about it, and, and then got leaders to buy into that at a fire team level, in the small, and which were really just small groups really, with, a, with kind of a, this different term, you know, iron sharp and iron kind of a term. It had, a, it had a really significant impact. The other part that I, I'm going to ask Gabe just to talk about real, real quick is that occasionally we do meet back together as all men. And, I want to, uh, and one of the things that we've learned that's been huge, I believe, in our church that Gabe introduced is a thing called decades. Could you just talk about that real quick because it's on here, Gabe? Yeah, it is on the back. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we, we did a gathering called Decades. And so what that is is essentially we gather together corporately as men to worship, and then we break out into groups based on decades. So all the guys in their 20s go together with one room, and there's older men, there's mentors, who then lead a discussion about the challenges and opportunities of that particular decade. And then all the guys in their 30s went together. And so, for example, the, the leaders who were leading the 30s decade, there was a guy who was 42, so just freshly out of that decade. There was a guy who was in his early 50s, and then there was a 70-year-old. And it was fascinating because I'm in that that decade, I sat in there and listened to it. And I, this, this man who is 70, uh, I could have listened to him all day long. And it, helped, it helps men kind of zoom out and see the big picture. To have guys who have gone before us, these mentors, these sages, be able to speak life into the challenges and opportunities of that decade. The guys in their 50s, for example, one of the main points of conversation in that, in that particular decade was about menopause. And how do you stay married to this woman <laughs> who's going through menopause? That is not a topic that we would usually talk about. In fact, we had a doctor do that yeah. just so we didn't mess it up. Yeah. He was a doctor that he specialized in hormones and all kinds of things. But that's the level that the conversation gets at. It's really specific to what are the challenges of that Decade and some men looked at the facilitators just like you're looking at us, like, really? <laughs> but about the 20s, a lot of it was uh, choosing a career in 30s. How do you navigate this? A lot of responsibility with young kids, and then it engages older older men. So it's been a it's been a win-win. Yeah, and I'll let you, so what happens at the end of all that, where you get to my age and beyond, in the 60s plus kind of thing? What happens? So here's what Gabe did. We have a pastor here who has spent a great deal of time in prayer and, and experience in end-of-life kinds of things. And he has, he's, this is really his heart, is to, is to encourage people to, is to talk to them about how to grow old. And so one of the things we did with that, that group of six, I mean, there's, who else can, breathe life into them. So what we instead of having a sage of 90 talk to them, we had, we had a session about end of life, just thinking through that and how to grow old. Uh, and it was an amazing evening with that, just an amazing evening. Guys so appreciated being willing and open and honest and being able to talk about that. It was a big deal. I think it goes back a little bit to the, the fishing analogy with the bait 
of what are men going to respond to? Well, we think men are going to respond when we're talking about issues that are really relevant to where they're at. And so um, we've just so far seen some... One of the things that Gabe does it, I'll just, and then we'd like to open this for questions, but we also, first Tuesday of every month, we, uh, Gabe has established a where we have a men's breakfast. And this month, for example, um, we're having the mayor of Colorado Springs come to be with us. And I think this is a big deal. He's a, he's a great man and all of that, but just being able, so we're bringing in real live people, not just pastors standing in front and doing our same old thing. These are people where we're praying into the city, we're praying into leadership. We had a principal of a high school, we prayed over our high schools. We had a chaplain in from our military, we prayed over those guys. And I think that's been a big, a, a kind of a big, uh, for us, being able for men, instead of praying in and just for themselves, to collectively pray out with power and authority. That's been a really big deal. And the monthly gatherings have allowed the fire teams to still feel connected to the larger body of men. So that's our rhythm. We have a couple times a year we'll do a gathering called Men's Night Out. And that's a, that's a pretty big gathering. We've had Eldridge spoke in April. We had about probably 1,500 men to that. Uh, John Bevere spoke in August, and we had a, a good turnout there. Uh, so that's the big gathering. That's where we're casting vision, explaining this is what's happening. And then from there, so that's twice a year. And then there's a monthly gathering, which is smaller. Probably about 100 men come to that. Um, and then from there, it's the fire teams which groups are four or five. So we have the big gatherings. We've got the kind of the medium-sized monthly gatherings. And then we've got the weekly and bi-weekly tight group of, of allies walking, walking with one another. So, so we've got about 15 minutes. Uh, we don't have all of the answers, but I would love to just, if you have any questions, give you the opportunity uh, to ask a question or if there's something you want to talk a little bit more about or if you have an idea that you've seen something that's worked really well within your ministry. Yeah, that's part of the strength of it is it's so flexible. So before, if we were doing just a Wednesday night 7 o'clock meeting, if a guy couldn't come to that, well, what else do you do? But with this, it's flexible. There are groups that meet on different days of the week, different places. And most of them are, um, I'd say probably half and half. Half of them are every week. Half of them are every other week. So... Yeah, yeah, and that's what happened in my fire team is that we started having barbecues as a family. And, um, and some of the fire teams actually formed by, they were, they were in a couples group. And so they said, hey, let's be more intentional as men. Because they were going to these couple groups and, you know, the guys were kind of 
just smiling, everything's fine, and the women are chatty, chatty, chatty. But the guys really, how well were they getting to know one another? And so in some of these fire team groups, the fire team is actually formed of the men in that group saying, let's go deeper together. Gabe has also established a couple of fire teams that I'm not even sure, that, sure they show up on the sheets that are available for, uh, to be honest with you, for men's issues. I won't say that they're underground. What we just say is we're not going to have, this is Wednesday night pornography meeting, all men show up here. We're not, we don't do that. But we do have some, some those men's issue kinds of meetings, and they're still meeting in the format of fire teams. This is really important that they're walking through life together like that. And you talk about some great leaders in those groups. It's ama they're amazing, absolutely amazing. I was just talking to one of our fire team leaders recently, and I was asking him what he was doing, and he had just taken one of the guys in his fire team golfing. So he wasn't viewing, and this guy was having a hard time. So he said, hey, let's go golfing if, this weekend. And so he wasn't, the leader wasn't viewing this as, well, check this off my list. I'm going to have our every other week meeting and see you guys. But he was, he was checking in with these guys. How you doing? And we found out one of them was struggling. He said, hey, let's go golfing. And uh, so that's, that's a picture of, like Colin was saying, hands-on. Leader, keep your hands on these guys. Know how they're doing. Touch base with them. You know, we're not, you know, we're not being smothering, but, um, but we, we really want to encourage our leaders to be engaged. Keep their hands on these guys' shoulders. Know, know how they're doing. Yeah, so there's a strong relational piece in, in place. Like these guys aren't strangers by any means, and um, so we haven't had we haven't had any issues with that. I think I think if we would have just said anybody who wants to lead will put your name on the list right away, and I think that would have come up really quickly. But it was uh, it was a long process. Now it, it could still certainly happen, and I, I'd like to think that. We have the relational equity with these men where we can speak very candidly to them. And, um, and so that would be the first thing, is if it happens, is to sit down and have a very candid conversation uh, about what's going on. But I wouldn't hesitate to do that at all because I feel like up front I've put in the relationship, the relational equity to be able to speak into these guys. Yeah, um, it really depends. I meet with, I meet with, I try to touch base with leaders every single day. Now, out of the 30, um, it, so this week I probably have touched base, called or had coffee with, or uh, probably five of the leaders. So... Yeah. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm mhm. 
Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. The guys that I initially formed a fire team with, these guys were, these guys were, were I, I realized quickly that they were leaders. And so one of the things that we decided is, hey, let's keep, let's keep, because you don't have to, once the f- friendship is formed, you don't have to be meeting with those particular guys every week to continue that friendship. So out of, out of that fire team, there were multiple fire teams that formed. Two out of the, two out of the three guys formed their own fire team. And they've appreciated it because they're re-energized. They're not just coming to a meeting. It's like, hey, I've got some ownership. One of the guys in the fire team, he called, he called me the other day. He was just on cloud nine of what God was doing in his fire team. And so the plan with multiplication comes back to the having uh, leaders over the leaders. I don't know in a military what that's called, that next level, that, that's over the, um, the, squad. the squad. But that's something in the military that they're very intentional about is creating leaders who then lead the leaders, and that's what we're... Yeah, we're in that early, so we're in that first kind of generation of things. One of the things that Gabe did that was really well is got this first group of leaders to buy in to do this through the whole year. Okay, and then what we typically do here in terms of small group meetings and formal meetings is we take the summer off. We'll have an occasional session in there, but we just understand the rhythm here, especially in Colorado, of you know, what happens then in the summer. So what will be important as we lean into this following year, as Gabe does this, is to be looking at the next generation of leaders. And Gabe is encouraging him to identify, to begin equipping them themselves, to begin working with them and talking to them about, you have an opportunity to lead now. You're a great leader. Step up and take that. So that, that process is, I mean, come back next year, we'll tell you how that's probably working. I, I, it's about, about the best way we can do that. So. Uh, Train, kind of leading leaders, training trainers kind of a thing is kind of the process that we're, we're in now. Because we want this to last. We don't want it just to be a season and die. We really want this to continue on. It be sustainable, but in a very easy way where we're pushing this down to where people can really do this well. You'll find, I think, we're, we're amazed by the leadership that we have in our church. It's amazing what some of these, especially some of these young men, I'm thinking, where did you, how do you know that? How do you even know that? How do you tr- how they treat others and how they how the direct their wisdom even that and you'll just be amazed at what that is. You know? And so part of the biggest thing for me at least was releasing all of that and allowing it to happen. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Last last call. If any of you are. Um, do have military families or even if they're guard or reservists and there's anything that you'd like to I'd love to just talk with you about that and see what that looks like in your own communities um, I will just some lessons that we've learned as well I'd love to spend that time with you as well so I'll be available and certainly Gabe's available all over here too you're not teaching anything else are you? Gabe's also a writer can I tell you something real quick he wrote a book called Deep Waters. It's in our bookstore there. Get it. Get it. It's really good. He, he probably doesn't like me say this, but I, I have to tell you, it's really good. Deep Waters. It's in, I, I don't know, it's, it's got a blue cover on it. <laughs> well, that's kind of you. Can we close by just praying for you and your ministry and what God is doing? I think uh, the Lord is so faithful to bring vision and what that looks like in your context and what he's doing 
And your church and your ministry may look differently than what he's doing here, but the common theme is, just like I said earlier, unless the Lord builds the house, we all labor in vain. And he is doing something specific in your ministry. He is after something, and he will reveal it. And so I just want to take a moment and pray uh, for that. So, Father, I thank you for these men, Lord, who are committed to discipling men. These, they've said, uh, here I am, Lord. They've got a, a passion in their heart. They've got a commitment to, to pour into men and disciple men. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd give them just a continued revelation about what you're doing in their ministry. What are you doing in them? And what are you doing in their ministry, Lord? I pray that even this week they'd come away with fresh creativity and fresh ideas, that you would download into them fresh thoughts of what are you doing and how can they reach the men in their ministry. And Lord, encourage them this week. Show them that you're well pleased with them. Father, give them discernment so they know how the enemy is trying to discourage them and how the enemy is trying to lie to them and tell them that it doesn't work to disciple men, that it's too hard. But Father, give them your vision. Give them your perspective, Lord. And may we all just be obedient and may we all cooperate with what your spirit is doing in each of us and in each of our ministries. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, it's good to see you, and I uh, hope you enjoy the rest, rest of the conference. And again, if you want to sit around and talk, we've got some time. So have a great rest of your day.